Dig. And I'm Hannah Hampton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, hello and welcome to HR After Hours podcast, the only HR podcast to tragically lose six drummers in our first three years. <laughs> Hannah Hampton, my sister from another mister. How are you today? I'm great. That uh, your, your little kickoffs, or I don't know what they're called. I love them. They make me laugh every time. We've got kind of a lengthy topic today, so we're not going to do too much of our morning chatter. I do want to just at least take a moment to acknowledge the theater of the absurd that we have been witnessing lately with the Chinese spy slash weather (laughs) balloon slash whatever it is. Is our government testing us to see if we're paying attention? I don't know. I love my conspiracy theory friends, and at the same time, I'm still can't let it go that when they finally had mentioned, you know, UFOs and everything, no one even said a word. The only people that ever talked about it were stand-up comedians. So we'll see what happens with this weather balloon, spy balloon thing. I don't know. I made sure when it went over the Midwest to run out in my backyard naked. and (laughs) With uh, your shotgun. I'll get it. I can't wait, though. I honestly can't wait for people to come up with some crazy conspiracy theories. And I'll be spending some time on Reddit, you know, uh, trying to research it. Because you know that people are going to come up with some crazy ass shit. It was an uh, interesting story. And I loved all the like, people were like, I'll shoot it down. It's like, I-, I love Reddit. It's just such a fun place to be. And it's kind of my new favorite social media site. I don't really, I don't post on there. I just like to read what other people post. Maybe I'll do like a comment. But I mean, it is your place. If you want to, if you want to look at conspiracy theories, you can do that. If you want to look at your favorite TV show and see what people are saying about it, you can do it there. So it's 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 great. I, I'm I'm gonna give it a look, maybe because I do remember finding some hilarious things. I think I got scared off with the dark web docu series and things like that. But sure. I want to propose a new conspiracy theory for you. You know, a lot of people might have noticed that we didn't do a January trends for 2023 Mm -hmm. article or everything. And let me tell you why, because I have this theory that every year's list is almost identical to the previous year's list for the last 12, 13, 14 years. (laughs) So, I mean, every once in a while, a new topic or an updated topic about AI gets thrown into the mix. I'm going to put the links into the articles we cite, but I'm not I'm not going to mention who they are because we're kind of going to bash on the list. And these are both these are both groups that I respect other things they've done. And I think it is kind of the obligatory thing to do in in January at the end of December is what worked Mm -hmm. in 2022. What's going to what's 2023 hold for us? And honestly, I I think I'm part of this those individuals that are still in kind of a little post pandemic haze because my times and years are all starting to melt together again. It's uh, wild. I agree with you. It's just really, it, it's really, it's just hard to wrap your head around. I'm like, it's, it's, it's 2023 now. So here we are, I guess, really going into, let's see, 2020, 2021, 22. Like the fourth year of this pandemic, which according to the government, they're officially ending it. It's officially over in May, but it's just wild how uh, I I feel like sometimes I feel like March 2020 was yesterday and sometimes it feels like it was a lifetime ago. So time has been really I feel like the pandemic really fucked up time. Absolutely. And again, I said this last year and so far this is the case for 2023. 
I currently know more people with COVID than I did in 2020. Oh, totally. <laughs> than 2021. And now, I mean, but now I have had clients and peers and coworkers uh, out out bad with COVID again, not the the little wimpy version we heard about for a while. But I've had some some people I actually directly know oh, yeah. who couldn't talk for three days. I'm going to go with I this have, May yeah. projection that it's officially over. We're still very hyper vigilant and aware. Now I do have to admit, and then we got to jump into this topic. Yeah, yeah. But I did drop an Atkins cookie on my floorboard while driving the other day, and I picked that fucker up and wiped <laughs> it off and ate it, which I would not have done last year. So let's talk about these articles. Like I said, we'll cite them in the credits, but we're not going to do it just because we're not attacking the articles. We're attacking the fact that we have to have these articles. And so this first one is the one I'm going to work off the most, but we'll go back and forth. But it's the eight eight of the biggest challenges for HR in 2023. I'm going to read off them and then we'll go back and look at them really quickly. Let's just hit them as they go. So the first one they bring up, and gee, Hannah, I don't feel like we've talked about this hardly at all in our, our podcast. So the first one is engaging the workforce. new at all and again i get it like this is all about like challenges but not a new challenge like this is as long as i've been in the workforce there's been talk about employee engagement and engaging people in the workforce to give them a little credit they do start it with employee engagement has been an ongoing matter of concern for hr professionals for decades okay there you go okay well then uh, why don't we start with articles of newest challenges or you know things that have worked I, my favorite thing about this then we're gonna move to the next topic after you you bite back at me here mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. love that i know you're feeling a little froggy today so jump whenever you want my old thing with the engaging the workforce piece i i feel like really we've simplified it to just doing the right thing yeah right you know right. Be, doing the right thing for your people you do have to determine what's important and managing to the individual, which I say a lot. All I can think about when I think of this topic is about five or six years ago, there was this trend in HR to create the role for an HR manager to be titled the HR manager of retention and engagement. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, oh, my God, a company that's listening. And they get on board with this company. And then it was just another HR role. They didn't really yeah. get to focus on that or do anything with it. I mean, it's it's all marketing, right? Like that's these articles. It's it's all about getting content out there. And it's just it's it's recycling things. And it's just honestly remarketing, retitling to make things sound different, better, fun. You know, I think about not even just HR, because of course, like we used to be personnel, right? Remember back in the day, it was personnel, then it became human resources, then it became people operations, then it became HR business partners, whatever. But the same thing in other departments, you think about like customer service, uh, it's customer success, customer, whatever it might be. Like, it's just honestly renaming something to make it sound better, faster, stronger, when it's it's in the fabric of itself, it hasn't changed. <laughs> Agreed. So let's go to the next one. Oh, yeah. this this is a topic that near and dear my heart. I think about a year and a half ago, you made me stop talking about it for a while. We'll talk about it soon. We'll have an extended episode. Attracting talent to the enterprise. 
<laughs> gee, recruiting's important. Again, it is yeah. what you, say, you know, but it is marketing. It's rewording. It's doing different things. And there's so many levels to this, but let's get down to the reason we still discuss this. The reason we still discuss this is we don't have enough buy-in still, you know, and I've had, I do see companies that are trying to do things with more PTO, which they should. And, you know, you and I have stood on our soapboxes for hours about Mm -hmm. that. But I've had to talk to to companies and explain to them it starts with the interviewing process and your your hiring partners and things like that. And when you have to make sure and follow up that your hiring manager has returned that person's call that you asked them to four days ago for the next step or they keep they don't make time to make the hiring process important. Well, then the, the candidate is so hyper aware of that now. That mm-hmm. they automatically now in the interviewing process will stop and go, hey, if I can't get this person to get back to me when they say they're going to trying to onboard me, I'm just going to get lost in the shuffle yeah. uh, when I if I work for them. And as you mentioned in our last uh, full episode, people aren't afraid to leave at orientation or in the first. Oh, yeah. Time. Well, their bullshit meter goes off and they're like, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to deal with this. So I'm going to leave and I'm not going to waste my time. Uh, you know, you and I, we always have our pre-recording discussion, but, you know, you can't buy back your time. No matter, no matter how much money you make, no matter how many assets you have, you cannot buy back time. Period. <laughs> the next one, managing relationships. Well, you got to build them. You got to establish them. If, if you're not going to establish relationships and get to know your team members as individuals and what motivates them, you're not going to build a relationship. Oh. And, and yeah. now it's reciprocal, right? So yeah. they're not willing to invest their time in you if they don't feel that you're willing to invest your time in them. So, you know, here's the thing. Like, I don't have a problem with what's in this article, okay? It's the fact that it's titled, like, let's just remove years and be like, this is, these are still important to HR, whatever. I just, I... I don't know, something just got me with this article where I'm just like, why I'm reading, I feel like I read the same article at 15 different places every year in January. And I I feel like I get it. Like you got to get content out there. Content is king when it comes to your website, drawing people to your website, getting people to stay at your website. But it's just. (sighs) You know, the best way to do an article like this in the future Mm-hmm. would be on each topic to just copy and paste the first time you printed about it. And provide updates or something. Yeah, but just say, we first mentioned this in 2003. See any updates or activities below. And it should just say, you know, 2004, still a problem. 2005, yeah. still a problem. So, I mean, that's really what it is, is this is just ongoing trials and tribulations of HR and recruiting managers and trainers and and leaders. And the next one, training and development strategies. This is one that's a little nearer and dearer to my heart recently. Because, and this is just because what I've talked about more in the last few podcasts, and I get these, these things get stuck in my head. You know, like I've told you about how I'm so 
fascinated with what perception works and that all, everything we process mentally has to have an existing point of reference. These are things that I, I'll be boggled about and, and just chase for years. My new thing is sustainability and people practices and can we adjust the positions to fit our existing people and mm-hmm. still get more out of them without either requiring new roles or having to let people go because I'm guilty of saying that person, the role has outgrown them Mm -hmm. or being part of a startup, realizing that this person's HR abilities were surpassed, you know, once we hit 15,000 employees, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. And they're not the person to lead, but instead of saying, well, we outgrew them and we don't have anything else for them. Let's figure out how to utilize their ability to do that job up to 10 or 15,000 people. But also we wanna upskill people. We want them to grow with us and have that symbiotic relationship of, we benefited from them working for us and they benefited because we invested in them. Yeah, for sure. There, there is a new way to say the same thing though, because it's really, you gotta buy into your people. I mean, what are your thoughts? Besides, duh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's kind of the, yeah, duh. I feel like that that's, this is not new. And I, I think people are well aware of it. And I don't know, I feel like, does it, do we sometimes overcomplicate things too? Because I, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like it's, it's an over complex topic. <laughs> well, let me just leave it. I'll rewind back to the duh. I'm going to throw you the next couple and just let you say what you have to say so you don't have to sit there and say, duh, the rest of the stuff I say. That's okay. <laughs> but the next one, again, we've been talking about it since day one, talent retention. Yeah, again, that's a duh. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, it depends on which point of view you're looking at. Like talent retention, of course, is important. Gone are the days of people getting a job out of high school, out of university, whatever, and staying until they retire. But part of that is, I mean, it's the company's fault, right? Companies no longer have these like beautiful pension programs. Of course, they have the 401k, but that's a totally different topic. But companies took away a lot of the things that make people want to stay at companies in the long term. Because we all know when you uh, leave a company, typically the raise that you give yourself by going to a new company is way higher than the annual raises that companies decide to give. So there's just so much, uh, so much more for people by going from company to company, job to job. And so this, I feel like this is something that's going to be on the quote unquote, like challenges for HR forever. uh, Unless, you know, because we're kind of, I hate to say this like word, but like late stage capitalism, right? Where it's all about pandering to the shareholders and making the company as much money as possible and the employees being a second thought. So unless really you want to change the fabric of the way that your company uh, looks at employees, retention is always going to be a challenge. You're going to keep some people, but other people are just going to leave. So talent retention, not a new thing, uh, not a new problem, but it's one of those things where I don't feel like executives truly want to fix it. I'm sorry, that's probably very negative, and that's me being sassy today. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it is odd, and you're right. I mean, we have gotten to the point where we've talked about some of these topics for so long, then we are we are expanding it, and you have more, on more than one ca- occasion, challenged the current 
philosophy of capitalism and the fact that we're still trying to figure out. I don't know that we have to change as much as we think we need to change, but ultimately we need to change the fact that we can report a record quarter of sales and profit but still lay off people mm-hmm. in the same week. The the thought that there has to be a certain percentage and level of growth to return on the investment, where I feel like if we can just change the philosophy that long-term steady growth, like an IRA, mm-hmm. is a manageable way to grow the business and still invest in said business and take a stronger earning return than you would on just an IRA, if we could just look at stocks that way, that would probably change this problem, but it's still asking a lot, right? <laughs> We're not like pro-socialism, let's riot in the streets. We're just saying, why can't we take a more practical approach or thought process of what a return on investment should look like mm-hmm. and that I can grow my money with a company that invests in its people and steadily grows instead of saying, oh, record sales, but we can't maintain this growth, so we're going to lay off 1,000 people this week. Yeah, it's, you know, and not to like change, not change subjects, but like hone in on that. It's, just, it's wild to watch like in the tech sector how how these layoffs are happening. And, you know, what's interesting is they point to like, oh, we just grew too fast in 2021 and crazy things happen. But, you know, so you're telling me that you couldn't forecast that, that that your growth wouldn't be sustainable. I, I don't know. I just, I truly question a lot of decisions, especially from the really big companies that laid off a lot of people. And again, it was probably, you know, 10% less of the workforce, which percentage wise is low, but still numbers that people are people. I got laid off and, you know, in the, in 2009, and I just remember how it felt and it does, it feels very dehumanizing and it sucks. And as much as like, there's always people who are going to put on a happy face and you have to stay positive. It's a hard thing to go through and it just really sucks. No, it, it's just it's just so counterintuitive. A lot of us had parents who were successful business people. They gave us some just sound, common sense financial advice growing up. You know, if you have a great year, put some of it away for a rainy day, right? Remember the rainy day fund. Just because I made $50,000 more this year, I should anticipate that next year probably not going to be as good because there are things mm-hmm. that when I make more money, there are things like the the guarantees in my placements and the, the fact that I might have to replace some people for free next year if they don't make it so long. And so I have to realize that the increase of business also equals the increase of cost and risk. Mm-hmm. And so I should be putting away this money knowing that I probably won't. And typically my biggest years have been followed by mediocre years. So I know this, and so would most CFOs and CEOs. So I would take X amount of the money and put it away to help cover for next year's expenses or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And so why don't we do that? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, it's just these things that are so Midwestern, hard work, roll up your sleeves values that we're told that if we do these things, we'll be successful in life. 
And then to see these companies have these huge years and, and oh, we're going to have to hire more people because we grew so much and just to maintain the demand and, and knowing that demand's not going to be the same in a mm-hmm. short period of time. But instead, it's grow, 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 and then cap out. And it's part of it is these leaders want to be known for the one that led the company to its highest point for their own marketability later. Because, you know, a lot of CEOs don't have those long-term careers, but they do get those beautiful golden parachutes. You know, this last topic, I think it's a good topic, even though it is, yes, it's an ongoing issue and it has been my entire career in HR and recruiting. But the last one is, you know, diversity in the workplace. Sure. Yeah. You know, I do think there is a, a better awareness of the need for this. I think more people understand it now. A lot of people push against it, though, just like anything. You have more opinions positive on something. You have more pushback. People are now willing to look at it in a much broader scale than just what they see in their offices. What are your thoughts? No, and I I think, you know, again, this is definitely still a challenge. There's still a ton of um, systemic issues out there, systemic racism and, and all of those things. And it's, it's, you know, hard for me. I am not an expert on this and nor do I want to come across as one. So I do feel like it's, what's nice is you see, you're, you're seeing more and more of this out there. I see more and more positions, but you know, we could, this could be a whole controversial topic, but talking about who's accepting those positions and if those are the right people to be leading uh, DEI initiatives. But Yes, I think that's one. I, I honestly, I feel like probably 15 to 20 years ago, if you said DEI, people wouldn't know what you were talking about, or you know, it would be something that that just wasn't at the forefront of people's minds in the corporate world. And maybe that's a dumb thing to say, but I feel like in general, it's not something that was brought up as a topic, a, an important topic that needed to be addressed. And I feel like now, like, it's not just for really big companies to have different groups and whatnot. It is something that every company, regardless of the size, should be thinking about. Uh, if, if it's not in your hiring practices, it's how you give back. It's how you help ensure that there's uh, appropriate policies in place to make sure that you're having, you're setting up a, a more fair uh, workplace. Absolutely. They mentioned, you know, you have to embrace inevitable change. Yes, we all know that. So I don't think we need to expand upon that one. But I do just very briefly, the last one, because this is a big focus uh, and kind of where we're we're shifting parts of our, our podcast to in 2023 is health and well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, and their, their topic is employee health and well-being. And yes, we do need to realize that there is so much more involved in this than simply what benefits are you carrying, what health insurance, dental, vision, whatever. Companies weren't able to to do anything past that for so long, other than some of your progressive, your early techs. This is something that's finally being looked at in a much grander scheme. And the companies that do it uh, and continue to grow with it, I think are the ones that will inevitably solve a lot of the previously mentioned issues. Because this can't really go into most of the topics when you really talk about your team's health and well-being, having reasonable expectations of time and FaceTime, et cetera, but also what do you make accessible to them to help them even determine what is going to make them better. I'm going to jump in and just say I feel a little bit like an ass because like, okay, 
I know my whole my whole gripe with this is like none of this is new, uh, but I do think this is it's still a good article on the things that are important challenges. Health and wellness are so important, and I not to sound cheesy, but this will come across as cheesy, but it's like health is wealth, right? If you're not healthy, you can't enjoy a lot of the other things uh, that that this life has to offer. So companies really do need to make sure that they're encouraging and helping people live their most well life. And yes, you know, there's people who get the, just the short end of the stick, uh, unlucky with health issues, but whatever companies that can do to help people remove any barriers to people's health and wellness is super important. And um, I think that this should continue to be something that HR is thinking about, working on, and, and bringing to, you know, to all levels of management, to the executive level, like, hey, this is something that our company really needs to be focused on. So I, I don't know, this conversation must have softened me a little because I'm like, okay, yes, I get it. These are still issues. But I just, I think my biggest gripe is the fact that it's like the same article that's published 50 fucking times every January. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, but, you know, the fact that we're able to kind of put our own spin because a lot of what we're saying aren't necessarily in this article. One of the things that they do mention in this particular one, and this is Better Works, by the way, because there are some things they did a great job here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're not bashing the article. We're bashing the necessity of republishing these articles in the same format over and over again. But they do mention that companies are offering better, more varied benefits, including child and elder care benefits. And the big one that you and I, we touch upon it, but we're, we're, we're very careful because you and I are not professionals when it comes to the health industry or legal and things like that. But the big thing that we're proponents for is expanding coverage to different mental health services. That's probably the one thing that I will be a student all year is I do want to learn as much as possible about what things are out there that I'm not even aware of to make life easier for our people because there's a lot. And now that more is becoming made, you know, as part of programs that wasn't before, it's kind of nice to see that. For sure. For sure. So if we focus on these things, Hannah, making sure we can get many resources to our people and help them, you know, so they can determine what's best for them. Ultimately, what are we doing? We're putting the human back in human resources. Well, hey, Hannah, I am real excited that we have a new sponsor. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me a little bit and our listeners about our new sponsor, Yogi Raw Life. All right. So Yogi Raw Life is a cork yoga mat company. And the brand was started from their love of yoga and renewable resources. They said they're here to inspire healthier communities by creating superior quality cork yoga mats that are socially and environmentally conscious functional and fashionable and they do have a special uh for hr after hours listeners 10 percent off by using the coupon code hr yogi that's h-r-y-o-g-i for 10 percent off your order and you can order the mats at yogirawlife.com that's y-o-g-i-r-a-w-l-i-f-e.com so yogi raw life for a quality cork yoga mat Awesome. Well, welcome to the HR After Hours team, Yogi Raw Life. And Hannah, you have a successful day. You too.